the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. In steadfast obedience to God's call upon his life, Pastor Rander continues to challenge us with stimulating questions that we must answer if we are to live a committed, God-filled life. We cannot reach our full potential short of giving God rather than this world our very best. The only way we can maximize our God-given capacity is to walk by faith at all times and in all things. God's word tells us that we must look to the hills for help. Where does our help come from? It comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Thank you for joining us today. As you listen in, you'll want to take notes. So keep pen and paper handy. And the fear of me is not in you. Underline that. Underline that. And the fear of me, God, is not in you, says the Lord of hosts. i got a question for you. Where is your reverential fear of Almighty God? Jeremiah 5.22a says, I love this verse. You say you love them all. That's the truth. Jeremiah 5.22a says, do you not fear me, says the Lord? Will you not tremble at my presence? You know, you really stiff neck, hard up and callous when you could just stiff arm the word of God. You can know what it says, but you willfully, you don't say what you're not going to do, but your actions carry through. You see? You say, do do you not fear me, says the Lord? Will you not tremble at my presence? I want y'all to hear me well. Hear my heart. What frightens me the most in the Lord's church is the loss of reverential fear in the house of God. Some, you got preachers cussing in the pulpit. You got folk, homosexual musicians. You got players in the church, pimps in the church. And everybody calling them having church and it ain't a church. Huh? Where's the fear? Huh? And if the word of God is not being preached properly, the people will not have a heightened sense of reverential fear of him because there is no vision, there is no divine revelation from God. Oh, God help me. What frightens me is a loss of reverential fear in the house of God. When one has reverential fear of God, it will manifest itself with respect toward God. It will manifest itself with godly behavior, attitude that blesses God, a spirit of submission, spirit of humility, uh, when you have a reverential fear of God, it is, you will strip yourself and be at odd with God as you come into his presence. I mean, you, just, you have a, over sense of, a, a tremendous sense of awe because of being in his presence. It, worship is not a routine. It's an experience that you have with God. Uh, number six, 
to have the best year ever is to cultivate a life of worship. To have the best year ever is to cultivate a life of worship. Just jot these down for the sake of time. Uh, Psalms 29 two says, give unto the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. Psalms 95 six says, oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. You know what worship is? Here come another definition at you. Oh, come on, definitions. Worship is a lifestyle. As I daily surrender my entire body and inner being to Christ alone. Did y'all get that? Worship is a what? Is a what? As I daily surrender my entire body and inner being to Christ alone. Worship is an expression of our inner relationship with God and and dependence upon him. It is a sacred and holy communion with God that transcends normal human activity as we intensely engage in giving the Lord praise and adoration and exaltation, reverence and honor. Worship not only blesses God, worship blesses me. That was so much came at you. You say, Pastor, slow down. I got to jot it down. Okay, I'll give you a, a moment. Worship is a lifestyle. As I daily surrender my entire body and inner being to Christ alone. Worship is an expression of our inner relationship with God and dependence upon him. That's worship. It is a sacred and holy communion with God that transcends normal human activity as we intensely engage in giving the Lord praise, adoration, exaltation, reverence, and honor. Worship not only blesses God, it blesses me. I'm going to tell you something about worship. One cannot genuinely worship God until he has had a personal encounter with God. You can't worship until you've had a personal encounter with God. When a man or woman is unresponsive to the things of God, he or she is either lost and does not know Christ, or they are either backslidden or in spiritual regression. A sure sign that you have been born again is that there is an inner longing to worship God. You want to worship him. Matter of fact, God ushers you into worship, and you look around, you say, man, I'm enjoying God in this house. Huh? A sure sign of worship is you, 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 a sure sign that you've been born again is that there's an inner longing to worship God. It is not restricted to corporate worship on Sunday in the house of God, but rather it is a lifestyle as I totally yield myself in obedience to Christ alone. I reiterate that part of it. It is a lifestyle as I totally yield myself in obedience to Jesus Christ. I'm to worship God. This is just a, a small segment of worship. Listen, you worship while you at home. You worship on your way to church. You worship at church. You worship on your way home. You worship as you eat. You worship as you cut the lawn. You worship as you shop. You worship, huh? You worship, because if you're worshiping as you shop, you won't break yourself. Huh? You worship self. You live out there. Broke. You see, worship. Let me show you something. Y'all hang in with me. Oh, Holy Ghost, help me. Genesis chapter 28, verses 10 through 22. I'm going to just pick a few insights out of here. Just, I, I just love the word of God. It's so delicious. 
Genesis chapter 28, verses 10 through 22. We're going to see some worship in this verse, in these verses. Now, Jacob went out from Bathsheba and went toward Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun has set. It was getting dark. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head and he lay down in that place to sleep. Don't ever talk about your pillar again. Okay? A stone for a pillar. So now, okay, what kind of pillar you have is not a stone. Verse 12. Then he dreamed and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth and it, its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God was as, look, they were ascending and what? Descending on it. What a dream. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie. I will give you, give to you and your descendants. Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the east, to the west and to the east, to the north and the south. And in you, Jacob, and in your seed, it's your posterity. All the families of the earth shall be blessed. Joseph was having a heavenly dream. Let me stop. Let me just say something right here, too. Some of y'all have too many demonic dreams. You're having too many demonic dreams because you've eaten too much before you go to sleep. Okay. All right. Others of you are having bad dreams because you, you go to sleep with the TV on. Huh? And, and, and it's habitually. You, you, you wake up with it, you, and then, the, then the, you may be looking at something healthy, but it changes, and all of a sudden, your stuff is going into your psyche as you're asleep. You know, because the state, the things have changed, and it's all demonic as you're asleep. I, I, that's just a side point. It didn't have nothing to do with this, but, but it was talking about sleep, you know. So I just wanted to just go there anyway. Somebody needed that. Now, let me get back in. That was a diversion. Now, come on. Verse 15. Behold, I am with you, Jacob, and will keep you wherever you go. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that a promise? I'll keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. That's awesome. Now, look here. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. Let me stop right there. You know the Lord can be moving in this place and you don't even know it. <laughs> God speaking all over the place, folk getting healed, folk getting revived, folk getting saved, and you sitting there as a grump on a stump. You don't, you don't sense the presence of God. I mean, you're not experiencing God. God is moving. God is building, building breakthroughs. Lives are being changed. Folk are being transformed. Folk getting baptized. All kinds of things happening. And you don't even know it. Verse 17. And he was afraid. Let me tell you something. That's that reverential fear. Huh? He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? You know why? Because he had a personal encounter with God. This is none other than the house of God. It wasn't, he, he wasn't in brick and mortar. He was not in brick and mortar. 
He was just out there in the open, in the wilderness. Wherever you worship God and experience him, you in the house of God. When you get to a shout in that car, you in the house of God. You already at church. Huh? Some of y'all think you got to have some walls and a light and a pulpit and a stage, and then you're in the house of God. Listen, wherever you experience in God, you in the house of God. Huh? That bathroom becomes a house of God. Huh? That, that, that office cubicle becomes a, the house of God. While you wait in that line, you say, thank you, Jesus. That line become a house of God. He said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. Ooh-wee. Verse 18. And Jacob rose early in the morning. <laughs> you know, when, you go, yeah, when God is getting a hold to you, he'll get you up early. God will wake y'all up early so he can deal with you. How many God, how many you see, how many you've experienced God get waking you up to have time with him? Then Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put at his head, set it up as a pillar, and poured oil on top of it. You know what he was doing? He was worshiping. And he called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of that city had been Luz previously. Wow, he worships. When you experience God, you worship. Verse 20, then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and keep me in this way that I am going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on. How many of y'all, God has given you bread to eat? How many of y'all, God, God give you clothes to put on? You're not in here buck naked. You got clothes you're putting on. So that I may come back to my father's house in peace. Then the Lord shall be my God and this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house. Because that was a place of worship where he he counted God. And look, and all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. His worship led him into a spirit of giving. He said, God, you want all all this for me? Then I'm going to give. I am led in the spirit to give back to you because of your goodness to me. You gave me bread. You gave me clothes. You giving me promises. You're going to bless my posterity, my seed. I'm going to bless you with the tithe. Oh, God. Look at Hebrews eleven twenty one. Come on. Hang on with me about 10 more minutes. We'll be done. Hebrews eleven twenty one. When you find it, say amen. If you haven't found it, keep turning. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, underlined it, and worshiped, leaning on the top of his staff. You know, the best way to die is worshiping God. Let me tell y'all something. You don't hear me. Worshiping God makes dying easy. Yeah, that's a big statement, y'all. Don't say, oh, let that run by you. you know, when you were, listen, you say, I don't know how to die. I never experienced that. You got a God who's been through death. And even when it comes your time to die, you start singing and praising God and reading the scripture. And you start having, I mean, you and God having a good time. Let me tell you something. You just die in the spirit of the Lord. <laughs> and the angels just come and usher you right on in the presence of God and you look at his presence and you say glory 
you die easy when you worship. Some folks struggle when they die. And you hold on. You know what? They ain't ready. They're not ready. They fighting. Tongue in two. Ain't ready. Listen, dying ought to be easy when you are walking in the spirit and holy communion with almighty God. I mean, he blessed his, he blessed those children worshiping, leaning in an old aged state on his staff. Romans 12, one says, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercies. This is from the NIV to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, a living as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Now that is some, I, I wanted to use this translation in particular because I like the way it phrased it right here. It drives home the point. I urge you, brethren, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. When, when you live holy, you're worshiping. When you're pleasing God with your lifestyle, you're worshiping. This is your spiritual act of worship when you live your body, your eyes blown to God, your mouth blown, you yielded to God and you don't cuss and say and backbite and gossip. Your ears blown to God where you don't listen to all that unholy stuff and all them damnable hellish lyrics and songs. Your feet blown to God where you're not walking in the hotel uh, with somebody that's not your wife or husband. Your, your private parts blown to God where you keep all of that holy as unto the Lord. Your breath blown to God. Everything th- that you have blown to God, that's worship. And you yield it totally. You don't tattoo up your body. You don't body, body pierce up your body. You check in with God before you put anything on your body because this ain't your body. This is the Lord's vessel. It is the Lord's temple. It is the Lord's gift to us for him and his glory. And when you have that mindset, you worship God. It is your spiritual act of worship. Number seven. To have the best year ever, we must give priority to prayer, which is the greatest weapon to use in spiritual warfare. Did you hear what I said? To have the best year ever, we must give priority to prayer, which is the greatest weapon to use in spiritual warfare. And some saints don't even realize that war is on. Mark 135, just jot it down for the sake of time, I'm about to close. Mark 135 says, now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there Jesus prayed. He got along with God. Luke 6, 12 says, now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the, to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. All night. To have the best year ever, we must give priority to prayer. Like Jesus did. Prayer, what is it? Prayer is talking to God. And is an expression of man's dependence upon God for all things. It is talking to God, and it is, a, it is an expression of man's dependence upon God for all things. Prayer is also communion with God and recognition of his presence and wisdom. Jesus gave priority to, priority to prayer, and so must we. What are the benefits to prayer? Number one, 
Prayer keeps us Christ-dependent as opposed to self-dependent. John 15, 5b says, for without me, you can do nothing. It, prayer, you, a praying person is not dependent on self. He's dependent upon Christ. You become more dependent upon Christ as your prayer life increases. You know what prayer does? Prayer sifts and flushes out the sin, rubbish, and impurities out of our lives to bring the best out of us. You can't be your best for God with the rubbish of this world, the impurities of this world embedded in your life. Psalms 51, 7, 8 says, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Number three, reaching your God-given potential for Christ hinges on your prayer life. If you want to see your vision from God comes to fruition, if you want to have the best year ever, then you need to be a praying man, woman, a child. Satan knows what your God-given potential is, and, and he is out to stop you from reaching your God-given potential, and he's going to do it with everything within him, with all of his power, to keep you from reaching that God-given potential. John 10.10 10 says, a thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy, and Satan wants to destroy your God-given potential for Jesus. And if he can steal your God-given potential, if he can rob you of God's plan for your life, if he can steal your vision, then you end up in regrets and depression and, 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 and all of these things. Uh, number four, it is through prayer that we live the victorious Christian life. First Corinthians 15, 57 says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, less prayer, more defeats. More prayer, more victories. Hey, that's, a good way, that's a good way to sum it up. Less prayer, what? More defeats. More prayer, more victories. Number five, prayer provides strength, courage, and comfort in the midst of crises. Somebody under my voice, you just came out of a crisis. Some of you in, under my voice right now, you are in a crisis and some of you don't know it, but you're about to go into one. Prayer provides strength, courage, and comfort. If you're praying before the crisis, God will keep you in the crisis, and you will, you will, you will hold up and not fold up. In Matthew 26, verses 36 and 41, it says, Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. Watch, be alert, and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus was tested in, in an incredible way. And he went uh, through agony as he prepared just moments later to go to the cross. And my friends, be it known to you today that if you are not praying, your crises will get the best of you. Finally, but not the least, prayer enables us to forgive those who have hurt us deeply. Final point. Prayer enables us to what? Forgive those who have hurt us deeply. Luke 23, 34a. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. It is only through prayer that you can forgive somebody who have wronged you, 
Somebody who's borrowed money and didn't pay you back? Huh? Somebody that's hurt your reputation, tried to damage your character? Somebody that has uh, done this or that to you? Somebody that's lied on you? Somebody that's betrayed you? Jesus Christ on that cross was betrayed. He was crucified, yet he was the most perfect one to ever walk the earth. Huh? He was God in living flesh, and yet on that cross, he said, God, he didn't say God strike him down, strike them down. He didn't say, get them, Lord. He didn't call earthquakes to open up. He didn't call down fire from heaven. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You say, but preacher, you don't understand. I've got too much pain to forgive. Let me tell you something. Does your pain transcend the pain of our Lord on that cross? Huh? You mean tell me your pain is more than what Jesus, your pain, nobody's pain in here equals to what Jesus experienced on that cross. His pain was the supreme pain of all pain. Emotionally, physically, in every other way. Humiliation, every other way. And yet he said, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. And if you look at Calvary and look at the cross, that person who's hurt you, that husband, that wife, that child, that in-law, that sister, that brother, that friend, that sorrow, that fret brother, that homeboy, homegirl, whomever, co-worker, God will give you the grace and the love like only he can give to help and enable you to forgive and measures that you never dreamt you could. And I want to let you know today, until you let God and let go, you'll never rise to the fullest potential of God's vision and plan for you. And all God's children said, tells us that in order to live according to God's plan for our lives, We must be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Know that our labor is not in vain in the Lord. It also tells us that we must forget our past and look toward those things that are ahead. In addition to the gift of a brand new year, God has given us the gifts of keeping the past where it belongs and looking to the present and the future, doing new things in him that shall spring forth. Isn't that good news? If you enjoyed this message and would like to hear more teachings by Pastor Rander, please visit us at Maranatha Bible Church, located in Converse, Texas. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.